It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. And if you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, head over to betonline.ag. And use that glorious promo code podcast one. He is Evan Silva. By the way, that podcast one code gets you a 50% sign up bonus today. He's Evan Silva, the master of all he oversees at Roto World. Total stud. Love talking with him. You got to get him on Twitter at Evan Silva. Speaking of Twitter, he took all of your responses. From your tweets last night for fantasy football winners and losers. Veteran winners, veteran losers, based on what happened in the draft. Should be awesome. I should also tell you that I am Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Love fantasy football. It makes every game more interesting. You can check me out at Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter and Instagram. If you're a Facebook person, facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. And certainly, you should also be following our producer, Brian Neal. He's at RTF Podcast. That's the first place, time, whatever, where you know when the show is posted. I'll also mention, uh, probably the last time I mentioned it, maybe I'll mention it next week too, but I don't know, but probably not. Myfrontpagestory.com. Best Mother's Day gift I've ever heard of. Whether it's for your mom or your grandma or your wife or whatever, you literally talk to a reporter for 10 minutes. They write an awesome story about your wife or your mom, whoever you want to give it to, and then they send it to you. You give it to your mom or wife, whoever you want to give the gift to, and and say, uh, I just wanted to do something really special for you this year. So I had a story written about you. Awesome. Awesome. Pretty much guarantee they'll cry tears of happiness. If you do that. At any rate, let's get into it. We'll start with the veteran fantasy winners. So I know I say this every week when we get another one of Evan's guests on that I'm very excited. And Evan, he comes highly recommended. But this week, Evan texted me and said, yeah, I've got the best high-stake fantasy player in the world coming on tomorrow. No big deal. His name is Nelson Souza. You can... Follow him on Twitter at the underscore franchise 12. So, Nelson, you got to explain this to me. You're the best high-stakes fantasy player in the world? No big deal, right? <laughs> that That's what uh, Evan would like to uh, call me. Uh, I have never uh, self-proclaimed myself as the best player in the world. All right. So what? how does Evan even know about you? You know, I, I've... I've done well uh, for myself in in fantasy, but uh, I think just uh, you know through the years uh, we've heard each other's name uh, you know out there. I think Evans, uh, if if he wants to call me the best fantasy player, I think he's the best fantasy analyst uh, in the world. Uh, I respect his opinion quite a bit, um, but. I, I think that's kind of uh, big shoes to to fill. So I wouldn't want to put myself up there in that, uh, you know, as the best player in the world. There's a lot of really good players out there. 
Well, I agree with Evan as the best analyst. I say it every single week here on the Fantasy Feast. Uh, but I do like to get people's background, especially if they're a high-stakes fantasy player for yourself. Your Twitter line says, if you don't take risks, you'll always work for someone who does. So what is your background, Nelson, and what do you, what do, you do for a living? Or is this now your vocation? Sure. So what I actually do for a living and what pays the bills, I, uh, I own, I live in New York and I own, uh, seven, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, uh, shops in New York. So, uh, that, that's what I do. I, I got into the Dunkin' franchise uh, about 16 years ago and that's what I do every day. But, uh, you know, love fantasy and, you know, that's kind of a second, uh, full-time job for me come the fall. Wow, that's awesome. Seven Dunkin' Donuts. I love it. That's amazing. Um, dude, how do you not just like crush munchkins all day? <laughs> uh, believe it or not, after you know a few years, uh, they actually, you, you just, you, you're not interested in munchkins or donuts uh, every day or you start looking like one. Yeah, I can imagine. All right, so then how'd you get into high stakes and, and where do you play? And give us the breakdown there. Uh, you know, I mean, it started like probably everyone else. Uh, you know, they you, you do your, you know, fun local leagues with your buddies, uh, get together every year and, and do a couple of fantasy drafts. And what I found was I was having success um, with the local leagues. And I, you know, I'm a competitive guy by nature and wanted to, you know, kind of challenge myself, uh, you know, a little more. And I started doing some research and found, you know, high stakes, uh, fantasy football was out there and that there was a couple of, you know, sites that hosted, um, high stakes fantasy football. And, you know, you had an opportunity to win, you know, a hundred thousand, 250,000. Um, so that appealed to me and, and basically, you know, a lot of great players uh, go there to to play high stakes fantasy football. So I looked at it as, you know, what better way to challenge myself than to play against, you know, some of the best fantasy players in the world. And, you know, for, you know, high high stakes money, uh, a lot of money. So um, I've partnered with a couple of great guys through the years. Um one early on was uh, Chad Schroeder, who I would probably say is the best fantasy player in the world. Uh, is, that's my opinion. So we partnered together and uh, early on. And now uh, for the last, I don't know, probably six, seven years, I've partnered with uh, David Hubbard, who uh, has become a really good friend of mine. And... We partner every year. We go out to Vegas. Uh, you know, we get in uh, drafts that are the entry fee is twenty thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, five thousand, um, and we've we've actually through the years have done very well. The the twenty thousand uh, dollar entry league, which is played at the NFFC, uh, we we've won that uh, league twice, and we also play uh, quite a bit at the FFPC. And we've won their main event. Uh, this was a couple of years ago. Uh, we won their main event for uh, for a quarter of a million. Uh, so that that was a 
you know, probably a couple of the highlights of my uh, fantasy football career. Wow, that's awesome. Um, very, very cool. You might be. You're, you're at least part of what sounds like the best team that's out there. I know, Evan, um, this was your idea. We wanted to dive into some of the fantasy winners and losers yep. based on how the draft unfolded. And you even did like a, a, a Twitter crowdsourcing, right? Yeah, I mean, just anyone who wanted to, you know, talk about a certain situation was very free to, uh, you know, contribute. Um, and, you know, I, I took I kept track of their names and um, yeah, let's let's get it started. OK, so number one and, I'll, and, and uh, Nelson, I'll hit you up on all of these. Number one, and this comes to us from risk it for a biscuit is Devante Freeman in Atlanta. Okay, uh, Devontae Freeman's not – I'm not really a fan of him, so I wouldn't exactly call him a winner even though, you know, Atlanta came out of the draft, um, with, you know, without really drafting a running back high. Uh, they have a very good offensive line, good offense in general. So most would see Freeman as uh, benefiting from that. But I – Freeman strikes me as kind of like a broken-down veteran uh, – concussions injuries uh i just don't think he has it anymore uh great competitor but i, I think uh ito smith uh might be the guy this year in that backfield and that's interesting because ito smith is going to be way way cheaper than Devonte freeman i mean the falcons went hard on their offensive line they you know i think for for lack of a better term overdrafted chris lindstrom although i think that that he's going to be a really good player for them uh, at number 14 overall. And then they traded up for your boy, Ross, Caleb McGarry at uh, number 31. And as Nelson mentioned, they did not take a running back high. The, the only guy that they've added this offseason was Quadri Ellison. I think he was a fifth round pick out of Pitt. So, I mean, at least on paper, it looks good for Devonte Freeman. So I think it's a, a good suggestion, but Nelson Nelson's saying, hey, you know, don't take Devonta Freeman in the second and third round. Take Ido Smith in the 13th or 14th round. And I think that that's an interesting kind of take on the situation. Awesome. What about Matt Ryan? Let's keep it in Atlanta. And that came from Alan Echo. I guess, again, you know, you, get, you take two offensive linemen in the first round. I guess we could say every every Atlanta skill guy benefited. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like the kid McGarry. Um and the Lindstrom kid is, you know, he's a no-nonsense lunch pail kind of offensive lineman. You know, I I watched him a little bit at Boston College. Uh, you know, I think he eats like nails and screws uh, sandwiches uh, for lunch. You know, that guy's he's got a mean streak in him. So I, I think the offense in general is, you know, interesting. You know, Matt Ryan with – you know, Julio, Calvin Ridley, Sanu, they got Hooper. Um, they, they've got a good offense. So I, I actually like the offense in general and think Matt Ryan is probably in for a solid year. Anything to add there, Evan, or no? No, not really. No, I, th I think he covered it pretty well. They didn't really add to their defense. So, you know, and they, shoot, they didn't have much pass rush last year, and they're not going to have a whole lot of pass rush this year. Their only 
somewhat big addition was Adrian Claiborne, a guy who essentially got cut by the Patriots. So they're, they're, they look like a team that is going to be in a lot of shootouts this year, and that could benefit Matt Ryan. Let's get to uh, a wide receiver. How about D.D. Westbrook, Nelson? And that comes from Rotohack George Krakatis. Yeah, Westbrook, I've always been a fan of Westbrook uh, since coming into the league. So uh, I actually like this uh, recommendation. When you look at Jacksonville, they, they upgraded at quarterback with Nick Foles. I think with uh, Hackett there, uh, actually, no, Hackett left. But with the, the offense with Nick Foles, I think they got to go out of the shotgun now. So I think that benefits uh, D.D. Westbrook. I think he's the most talented receiver there. Marquise Lee's coming off, you know, a pretty serious injury. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that one where uh, I, I could see Westbrook having a good year. Yeah, new OC Filippo with, uh, with, with Nick Foles. And, hey, you know, Nick Foles, like, you're talking about some guys on the interior that play on the interior. That's where D.D. Westbrook lines up he was sixth among all players in the nfl last year in yards gained from the slot uh nelson Aguilar and zach ertz uh had had a lot of big games with nick Foles there uh at quarterback i i like dd westbrook dude won the blitnikoff award what was he uh that one year behind lamar jackson was like third or fourth in uh heisman voting i mean he's a really underrated player the reason that he went in the fourth round i think was for some off-field concerns um, but he's been very, very productive. I think he's the Jags, easily their best pass catcher. They really have very little at tight end. They added uh, the rookie, I think his name's Josh Oliver out of San Jose State. But, man, they did not add at wide receiver, like, at all. Um, they added uh, Chris Conley. That, that was the guy that they added in free agency and didn't draft one and just added five undrafted free agents five undrafted free agents. So they're almost bringing back the exact same receiver core that they had last year. And yeah, I, I think that D.D. Uh, Westbrook's going to riff pretty nicely with Nick Foles. I just think he's the best receiver on the team. So I definitely have him as a winner as well. Getting into the running backs. How about Damian Williams from the chiefs? Nelson, Jeff Rhino suggested that one. Uh, Damian Williams is not really a guy I'm feeling this year. Even though he's part of a great offense, it uh, it, it kind of you, you would think that you would want to be excited about you know anyone in the Kansas City offense, but he he's been a you know a journeyman running back uh, through the years. You know, started his career with Miami. I think he played there like three or four years uh, before coming to Kansas City last year. Um, now all of a sudden, we want him to be the bell cow back and to, you know, be fantasy relevant. I think in drafts, he's going like somewhere in the third round of fantasy drafts. So, I mean, I, I just don't, I'm not feeling him this year. So he's not really a guy that I'm looking to, to add in drafts. They brought in Carlos Hyde, um, who I'm, it's not like I'm really high on Hyde, but Hyde's still a, you know, professional running back that um could play and could could easily take over for him so probably not a not a guy that i would probably consider uh 
a winner. And they added Darwin Thompson, who's one of the most explosive uh, later round running backs in this year's draft. Um, 39 inch vertical, uh, ran four or five flat. He uh, led the entire nation in yards after contact per rushing attempt um, out at Utah State. And so he could, I would be worried about him cutting into the passing game work of Damian Williams because that's really where Damian Williams kind of butters his bread. Um, Nelson, forgive me if, if I'm if I'm misremembering this, but don't you have some kind of rule like if the guy wasn't drafted in fantasy leagues the year before, and then all of a sudden he's been drafted? I mean, I see Damian Williams going the second round in, in, in some early drafts. Don't you have some kind of rule where like if the guy isn't drafted the year before, and then he's all of a sudden drafted in the top three or four rounds, like he's just you're kind of xing him off your list, or he's a guy that you're letting other people draft? Is that am I remembering that correctly? He- you are. So I call it – so basically any running back that the year prior came onto the fantasy radar and was a waiver wire pickup, the following year, if he's being drafted in the top four rounds, he's a fade. You, you totally fade him because I call it the Zach Stacy rule, uh, a.k.a. the uh, most recently Alex Collins rule. So – any guy that you acquired as a uh, as a free agent pickup, as a waiver wire pickup in your fantasy on your fantasy team last year, and now he goes like in the second, third, fourth round, just let let him go, let others take him. It, it's not going to work out. I like it. All right, let's keep it moving, and let's get to another running back, Kenyon Drake. This comes to us from Cliff Ritter, Nelson. Uh. I like Drake's talent, and now you got a whole new offense there with uh, uh, Flores coming over from New England. You got Chad O'Shea, uh, who's now the OC there. Uh, that one is kind of a wait and see approach for me uh, because if Chad O'Shea uh, follows in the New England blueprint, you're going to have Ballage and Drake uh, getting splitting touches there. Uh, Drake obviously getting the passing down work and and along with some carries each game. So it all comes down. Can that offense gel? Uh, They they've got a couple of weapons. They got Parker, who's, you know, really never developed into that number one wide receiver uh, when he was drafted. But he's got talent. You got Kenny Stills, Albert Wilson there in the middle. Uh, You know, Gasicki is, uh, I think, an emerging uh, talent at tight end that, you know, came into the league a little raw, but uh, was never used properly last year. Um, he's more of a move tight end, not not a guy looking to, you're not looking to put him in uh, blocking. So, and then they also brought in Dwayne Allen from New England they're, that they're familiar with, and he's going to be the blocking tight end. So I think it, it's a interesting offense because the defense is not all that great. So, you, you expect them to be behind in games, and if they're playing from behind, Drake should get the passing down work and and get you know plenty of reception. So he he's an interesting guy for sure to keep an eye on. Yeah, he is really interesting, and it's probably just going to come down to draft position. Where is he going to go? Um, I've done a bunch of early drafts, and he's going like fifth to seventh round. And I'm not taking him when he's in the when he's going in the fifth, but when he's going in the seventh as like my 
my RB3 or my RB4, you know, he's tempting. You know, and for a lot of the reasons that Nelson illustrated, when they're playing from behind, I think Kenyon Drake is going to be in the game. Is he going to be able to have some games where he gets like five to seven catches? Because, you know, he's an explosive player and he could be a monster in PPR leagues. Um, it's a it's a really interesting year for him and for the Dolphins in general because we kind of know that they're not going all out to win as a you know from a front office standpoint this year. But it's not like the players aren't going to go all out to win. It's not like the coaches aren't going to go all out to win, and they are going to find themselves in, behind in a lot of games. And he can, and if he can have some games where he gets like five, six, seven catches, he's gonna be a monster in PPR leagues. What about David Johnson in Arizona, Nelson? Hayden Winks, who's been on the show before, suggested him. Yeah, David Johnson was uh, on my fade list last year. It was easy to see with the uh, defensive coordinator from, I, I think he came from Carolina. Wilkes was, you know, came in as the head coach. They brought in Mike McCoy, who I've never uh, really been a fan of as an offensive coordinator. Um, they, they're just not... There's no imagination there uh, on that offense last year. They had to- the, the offense just the, the talent surrounding him was just total garbage. Uh, you know they had nothing really at wide receiver. Larry Fitzgerald, awesome receiver throughout his career, but he, you know he's getting up there in age. Um, doesn't really scare defenses anymore. Offensive line was horrible. Uh, quarterback play, you know you can't ex- expect Rosen to come in with that O line and and everything they had everything working against them now you flip the page to 2019 you've got you know new head coach that is a i think you know one of the bright young offensive minds you know in like mcveigh uh coming in they improved the o-line uh they improved the weapons around them you know they drafted kyler murray who's a running quarterback uh so they add that dynamic to pair with david johnson uh they have christian kirk now in his second year and then they drafted isabella and some some guy i think evan kind of likes him a little bit some guy (laughs) named hakeem butler uh so they improved the weapons dramatically around david johnson so i expect you know a bounce back here from him Good. Love to hear that. I mean, it's been two years now since we've seen David Johnson really be the stud, you know, that he can be. It's, it's been a while. I mean, he missed almost all of 2017 and then 2018, you know, it was just the, you know, a really bad situation. No one was productive in that situation. And uh, they, they have a lot more playmakers now, you know, adding the, the running element with the new quarterback, I think, um, can really help the running game in general. And uh, Christian Kirk, Hakeem Butler, Andy Isabella, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they, how deep into spread offense is Cliff Kingsbury going to go. Because, I mean, hey, this is a guy that played at Texas Tech, has coached at Texas Tech, you know, came up under Mike Leach um, as both a player and a coach. How deep are they going to go into the spread offense? And um, they, they've got some pieces. They traded for up front. They traded for Marcus Gilbert from the Steelers. They signed Max Garcia and J.R. Sweezy. I still think it's probably a bottom five offensive line. But, hey, this new mobile quarterback might make it look 
a lot better. Last year they're they're playing with what last couple of years they're playing with what Josh Josh Rosen, Sam Bradford. I mean, those guys are not going to make an offensive line look better. I think that to the kind of in the same way that Russell Wilson has overcome bad offensive lines in Seattle, we could see a similar dynamic with Kyler Murray in Arizona. How about a couple of running backs in Tampa? Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones. This is from Nick Beer, Nelson. I can see with Bruce Arians coming back into the NFL where the excitement is coming from. Uh, you know, Barber is just kind of a – he's just a guy to me uh, at running back. Doesn't do anything, you know, special for me. Um, so he, he's not that great of a talent. Uh, Ronald Jones is the guy – the kid that they drafted high last year. Um, I actually got a couple of friends throughout the NFL uh, that every once in a while they'll shoot me a text with some, uh, you know, interesting information. And I was high on Ronald Jones actually last year. And uh, my buddy actually told me, you know, just stop drafting him. Uh, You know, the kid's not ready for the NFL. And when I asked him, you know, what do you mean? He said, you know, listen, he, he's out here in L.A. at my club and he's smoking pot and eating cheeseburgers. And this was right before, like, training camp <laughs> w- was getting ready to start. And he's like, I'm telling you, this kid's not in shape. He doesn't get it. You know, it, it's going to take him a year maybe uh, to understand what it is to be a true pro. So I laid off him and – Sure enough, uh, you know, Ronald Jones face planted and and just never got out of that doghouse with the coaching staff there last year. So this year, who knows? I mean, I know they brought in I I believe they brought in their his running back coach from USC uh, to Tampa. So uh, I don't know if that's going to be a wake up call for the kid. And he finally figures it out and he comes into camp in shape. Um, He's got talent. Uh, Bruce Arians is there, uh, you know, good offense. So that, that one, I'm taking a wait and see approach until, you know, my buddy, uh, tells me what, you know, what, what his thoughts are. Smoking pot and eating cheeseburgers. I mean, that sounds like a fun Friday night to me, but you know, I'm not in the <laughs> NFL, you know, trying to get ready for uh, the season. Uh, Ronald Jones, there was, there were other red flags about him just coming out of USC. I mean, he never caught passes, and people even went back and looked at his high school career. He didn't catch passes in high school either. Um, so I think he was overdrafted, and uh, he—I mean, it was just—it was a disaster from the get-go. You know, you remember in in preseason. I mean, he was terrible in preseason. There were reports in training camp that he was fumbling the ball, that he was getting outplayed by um, this undrafted rookie last year, Sean Wilson. Um, Man, I don't know. He's going to be a really tough one. You know, he's definitely a guy that I'm going to be like reading beat writer reports uh, about throughout the off season. And then Peyton Barber, I'm with you. Kind of, kind of just a just a guy as as a two down banger. I I want to see them make a move for a running back. Like, how about bring in um, John Kelly from the Rams? You know, send the Rams a six round pick for John Kelly. I think that would be a good move after the Rams have made have made uh, multiple running back additions or, you know, go try to trade for one of those 49ers running backs. I mean, they got four running backs there. Tevin Coleman, uh, Matt Breida, you know, bring in Breida. 
Yeah, bring in Breida. That would be sweet. I mean, they should send a fourth-round pick to the 49ers for Matt Breida. Um, but, yeah, I, th- this backfield is a challenging one for me. I do think that Peyton Barber sort of makes some sense. Last year he did as like a 13th, 14th, 15th round pick. It was ADP, I think, stays in that same range. Then um, I think he's worth drafting, but I don't know. We'll see. How about some wide receivers from our guy Ian Kenyon? He, he had Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Equinemius St. Brown from the Packers, Nelson. You know, I could see it, but I could also not see it. So, And what I mean by that is I'm not a big fan of Matt LaFleur. Uh, I didn't think he did a very good job offensively with the Titans. So I'm not sure, other than you know him having a good interview, and I'm sure the guy you know is a bright guy, I don't know how he got that job uh, because when you look at the Titans offense, it they look like they just couldn't find their way uh, last year. And now he comes on. He brings on Nathaniel Hackett as an OC. And when you look back at Hackett's history, he's always had a good run game. And, but the receivers, you know, dating back to Buffalo, when he had like Stevie Johnson, Robert Woods, Sammy Watkins – um, those are all talented dudes, but under him, they didn't have like big years. And then he goes to Jacksonville and Jacksonville had a, you know, he, he kind of made his name in 2017 when Jacksonville kind of took off and he made Bortles look like an actual starting quarterback. Um, but when you look at the receivers there, you know, Hearns and Marquise Lee, and then last year with Westbrook, um, and Keelan Cole, None of those guys really did anything, you know. So, I'm I'm not really, I'm not really feeling the Packers uh, this year. And when I look at those receivers, I don't see anyone that like sticks out to me, like St. Brown and Valdez Scantling and Jake Cun- uh, Cumro. Uh, you know, they got Adams, who's the alpha male there in that offense. Jimmy Graham is kind of ah, whatever, but they drafted Sternberger, who I'm a fan of from A&M. Uh, and then they got the running backs, right? Talented Aaron Jones. They, they've got Jamal Williams, who, who's a, you know, a decent back. And then uh, I was a big fan of Dexter Williams coming out of Notre Dame. So th- even though he went late in the draft, he's kind of sneaky. So when I look at it, and then I look at Aaron Rodgers and who he is, I'm putting the over-under at three games before Rogers throws a bitch fit on the sidelines with LaFleur and, and Hackett and like punches one of those guys in the face. And I'm telling you right now, he he's going to be begging by, by halfway through the season, he's going to be begging for McCarthy to come back. <laughs> I love the uh, very non quantitative analysis there from, from Nelson Sousa. Uh, I like Dexter Williams too. We should talk about him on a forthcoming uh, dynasty show a little bit more, but I like that addition as well. I mean, can't argue too much. I mean, you know, Aaron Rodgers has, has been on the same page with Devonte Adams and pretty much no one else. He, you know, he would get upset with the rookie receivers last year. You go back and read that, the Ty Dunn piece on Bleacher Report and Apparently, he doesn't like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and that kind of explained 
why last year, you know, Marcus Valdez Scantling had some mo- some moments, and then just kind of he just kind of disappeared in the second half of the season. And Equanimia St. Brown, I mean, I mean, I remember during games specifically with, when Aaron Rodgers would just give him that glare. You know, it's mm-hmm. like he, he yep. must have run, he must have ran the wrong route, or you know, we don't exactly know what's going on, but he pissed off Aaron Rodgers, and that's not good either. So I don't know. Maybe one of those guys will step up and and uh, and earn his trust during training camp and the preseason, and that would be awesome because I do think that there's room for another guy to explode in the offense. But right now, I think it's very fair to be skeptical about those young receivers. Definitely guys to keep an eye on, but I, I really haven't been drafting Valdez Scantling or St. Brown at all uh, early on, and they they always go like multiple rounds before I would take them. Yeah, you, you know, it's one of those situations where, where there's smoke, this fire. And I know a lot of Aaron Rodgers' backers are going to chalk it up as, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing. But when you have Greg Jennings coming out in public and saying, you know, kind of talking pretty poorly about his, you know, former quarterback, I mean, you don't see that out of receivers, you know, with Tom Brady, right? You, you don't see Dion Branch, Randy Moss, uh, even even a guy like Ocho Cinco, who um, didn't really have a, a great time in New England, you don't see him talking poorly about Brady. But you have, you know, Greg Jennings talking poorly about him. You have that report of, you know, where Rogers like hated Jeff Janis, and Jeff Janis, you know, I'm biased because I I thought that kid, you know, could amount to something. He was athletic freak. Uh, coming out of college, you know, small, I think he went to Appalachian State, maybe a small school, but he was really talented. And, and people, I read some report where Rogers kept him in the doghouse. Like, you know, he did something to him one day or ran the wrong route. And that was it. Like you're dead to Rogers. So I don't know. I, I, I think there's something to it. And, you know, I, I don't know if, you know, any of those receivers are going to, you know, gel with, with Rogers. Cause I, I agree with you, Evan. I, I saw the same thing where he just gives that look and then it's like, Oh crap, you're, you're dead to him. That's it. Game over. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep it moving. Um, I like, I, I bitch fit first time ever. We've said bitch fit on the <laughs> fantasy feast podcast. Hopefully not the last. That was nice. Nelson. How about Carson Wentz? They got him a, a tackle, a running back and a wide receiver with the first three picks. Love the offense. Uh, there's nothing to dislike about the offense except Deuce Staley and how they manage that backfield. So that's for another day uh, to talk about that. But as far as Carson Wentz and the offense around him, I mean, they brought back Deshaun Jackson. Uh, that's what the offense was missing last year. Uh from pre, you know, the previous year for Wentz was that deep downfield threat, and now they have Jackson uh, there with Jeffrey. Jeffrey is now you're talking about a guy that's completely healthy, um, great red zone weapon downfield. Uh, you got Nelson Aguilar, and then you've got you know one of the best tight ends in Zach Ertz. Uh, Dallas Goddard's there. Offensive line they improved, so there's nothing. You know, I like Carson Wentz. I, I think he's in for a big year if he stays healthy. 
Yeah, I think he's a huge buy. I'd rather listen to Ross talk about him. I mean, shoot. Hey, by the way, Ross, huge congratulations on the, the Eagles preseason game uh, gig. I mean, I, I love watching preseason football, and it's going to be great hearing you. But do you have any thoughts? Because I feel like you have a, a really good finger on the pulse of the Eagles and just that entire situation and, you know, back injuries and everything. Do you have any thoughts on Carson Wentz? Well, my first thought is that if he's healthy, he's going to play really, really well. Because I actually thought he played pretty decent last year, even though he was dealing with the back thing the whole time and coming off the torn ACL. I mean, coming off the torn ACL with a stress fracture in his back, and he still was playing at, at, I thought, a solid level. The fact that he was interviewed recently and said he's not all the way back yet, I think we'll know a lot more whether or not he participates in any of the OTAs or minicamp. He said that's his goal. My guess is he doesn't, which means they're probably just being conservative with it, and rightfully so. But it still means that, you know, since December, it's been five months and that that has not healed yet. So then you have to wonder, okay, well, when will it be fully healed that they'll be willing to clear them? And so... um, I don't have any inside information. That's just based on what he said. And I think you got to really, really um, keep your eye on that. Uh, because Dr. Chow, who joins the Ross Tucker football podcast, said, you know, that stress fracture in his back, it's an area where they don't get, a, it doesn't get a lot of blood and can be a long, a long healing process. So certainly something to keep in mind. Uh, some other names we've got here that weren't necessarily suggestions, but you just had them down, Evan. Robbie Anderson, uh, the Jets receiver. Yeah, he's he's kind of a give and take uh, kind of guy for me. Uh, and what I mean by that is he, he's kind of the big play guy uh, in their offense. But the Jets also brought in Le'Veon Bell, who's going to command a lot of touches and a lot of targets out of the backfield. They brought in Jamison Crowder, who is now going to work the middle of the field for them. So it's kind of addition by subtraction, uh, you know, and vice versa for, for me. I could see Anderson where these guys coming in help him and keep the defenses honest. Uh, but at the same time, I could see it where he's not getting as much work uh, in the offense because now they have more weapons around them. So uh, I'm kind of still on the fence uh, with him. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I like where he's been going in early drafts. He has been going like seventh to ninth rounds. Um, I've been taking him a lot. Uh, I just love the on-field bond that he kind of showed with Sam Darnold. This past year, especially down the stretch, I mean, last six six to eight weeks, if you weren't playing Robbie Anderson in Daily Fantasy, you were, you know, donating to FanDuel or, or DraftKings. And, you know, if you had him on your season-long team, I mean, he was an every-week starter. Uh, but, you know, they, Quincy Anunua had kind of fallen by the wayside at that point. He's back. He should be healthy. Chris Herndon entering his second year, as Nelson mentioned, Jamison Crowder is now there. So is he going to get the targets? And that's probably when it's going to come down to. He's, he's always going to be a splash play player. Is he going to give us consistency, though? He really hasn't been a consistent player throughout his career. 
but he was consistent late last season. But is he going to be able to maintain that? I think that's a legitimate question. He's a great best ball pick because you don't you don't have to choose which week to start him. You know, but how about in season long? I mean, we we were wanting more consistency than what he's shown for most of his career. How about Tyler Lockett? Uh, I know they drafted DK Metcalf, but with the uh, Doug Baldwin news, Lockett could be in for an upgrade, Nelson. Yeah, so here's a perfect example. I would probably say that Lockett and Anderson have similar skill sets, but the difference is I liked what Evan uh, tweeted out last night, which was um, when Baldwin didn't play in the games that he didn't play, Lockett, I think, saw somewhere around 60% of his snaps in the slot, and that's huge. So that tells me that Lockett's not just that outside big play uh, guy like Anderson would be in the Jets offense. Uh, he would probably slot go in as the slot and replace Baldwin uh, in that offense. So he would be a guy that I'm much more, you know, inclined to draft uh, over Anderson. I'm I'm not quite sure exactly where they're going uh, in comparison to each other in drafts yet, um, but Lockett would be a guy I'd be interested in. Yeah, I really like Lockett. I think that the offseason has played out really well for him. You know, n- never want to see a guy like Doug Baldwin, just an awesome player, super underrated player, uh, you know, retire, but he's got to do what's best for him. And if he does retire, Tyler Lockett, I think, could be their primary slot receiver with DK Metcalf and Gary Jennings uh, playing outside. Um, and um, who's who's the other guy there? I, I, I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking here. But I think that, Darbo, baby. Uh, Darbo. Jeez. Yeah, oh, um, <laughs> Tyler Lockett is going to be their slot receiver, and he's going to have higher – he's going to run higher percentage routes playing in the slot – I looked up his stats uh, playing in the slot last year. He was targeted 29 times. He caught 26 of them. He averaged 17 and a half yards per catch, and he scored five touchdowns in the slot on his slot targets last year. So he crushed it when he was playing in the slot. I mean, 26 of 29 targets is awesome. Yeah, I, I would be very – and I would take him – I would definitely take him over Robbie Anderson this year. What about Trey Quinn? I know he's a guy you were writing about, Evan. What do you think about Trey Quinn, Nelson? Uh, He's an interesting guy. He's going to take over for Crowder in the slot there in Washington. Um, I look at that Washington offense, and for some reason right now, I I just wasn't high on it, but I like what they did in the draft. At first, I... I was thinking they're just going to be complete garbage this year, and I was going to just stay away from them. But when you take when you get Haskins, and then you take Terry McLaurin, um, who played with Haskins in in college, and now you've added some speed on the outside, um, you know, to take over for Doxson, a guy that really hasn't you know figured it out at this point. You got Paul Richardson coming back. Jordan Reed, if he can stay healthy, is a mismatch at tight end. Um, they're going to want to run the ball, but Trey Quinn seems like he's going to be like the, the chain mover, you know, where, you know, the little five, six yard, uh, catches over the middle of the field. So he, he's a nice little player. I could see him being fantasy relevant. 
Yeah, I think he's an underrated player in general. You know, he went to LSU as a five-star high school recruit. And then, you know, things didn't kind of work out there. Wide receivers, you know, tell your – if your wide receivers are – if you have a son who's a wide receiver, tell him to not go to LSU, please. Um, (laughs) And then so he ends up transferring, and he has a huge year. His last year at SMU where he played with Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton was the outside guy at SMU and Trey Quinn was the inside guy. Um, and Trey Quinn isn't super fast, like in a straight line, but you know, you look at like his three cone, his shuttle times. I mean, he's, he's a quick guy in a short area. He's going to have to stay healthy. He was hurt too much uh, in his first season, but he got on the field and he produced and he did that great dance from the office when he scored a touchdown on Thanksgiving and, you know, we were we were on him in daily fantasy uh, on on Thanksgiving as a super cheap play, and um, you know we, we we will pat ourselves on the back for that. But I think he he can take a step in his second season. You look at the other receivers that they have: Josh Doxson, um, Kelvin Harmon, um, Paul Richardson. These guys are all uh, McLaurin. These guys are all kind of outside receivers, and Trey Quinn is their their slot guy and they didn't add a tight end. Um, so, you know, they're bringing back Jordan Reed and Jeremy Sprinkle and Vernon Davis. And I think Trey Quinn is kind of locked in into the slot, at least for now. And he's a guy that has been going, I mean, I, I have been before the draft, I was taking him in the second to last round, like every single time of my best ball drafts. And yeah, I, I think he's a great sleeper for 2019. How about a couple more receivers from Ben Pickering? DJ Moore in Carolina, Chris Godwin with the Bucks, Nelson. I uh, love DJ Moore. So coming out of Maryland uh, last year, I was really high on this kid. And then my fantasy football partner, David Hubbard, was actually fell in love with him where, you know, to the point where it, it kind of got like kind of creepy stalker uh kind of thing where I joked around with him that I'm like, you know, hey, you got to take it easy with your DJ Moore love. But this kid, I think, is like the real deal. Um, I expect him to have a big year if, and it's a big if, Cam Newton is healthy. Now, Cam Newton's coming off that shoulder surgery, and, you know, we've seen this with Andrew Luck. Um, I think you got to proceed with caution right now with that Carolina offense. Um, but if Newton is ready to go and he's looking good in training camp, I think the sky's the limit for this kid, uh, this year. And then with, with Godwin, again, you know, it's the Bruce Arians factor and I'm actually, uh, I'm starting to shy away a little bit from him because I feel like the hype is getting out of control with the kid and he's been moving up in fantasy drafts, uh, to the point where, it, it, it's almost getting there where he's he can't return any value because he's got to perform where he's being drafted. And you still have Mike Evans is the number one there. You still have O.J. Howard. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I Godwin, I'm still on the fence with because I I love the talent, but I feel like the hype's just getting a little bit out of control with him. The hype is super strong on Chris Godwin. And I mean, I, I understand it, you know, but man, he's going early in drafts right now. Um, I, I really like DJ Moore. This is going to be, 
you know, the, these guys are really talented dudes. And um, DJ Moore particularly is in a very good situation where he has a chance to get a ton of targets this year. You know, what does Greg Olson have left? How long is he going to last? Um, DJ Moore is like the clear number one in Carolina, whereas, um, you know, you're, you're talking about O.J. Howard and Cameron Bright and, uh, you know, of course, Mike Evans. Uh, there in uh, in Tampa Bay, Chris Godwin, Bruce Arians has talked about using him in the slot, using him as uh, in that Larry Fitzgerald, Reggie Wayne, Heinz Ward role. Man, that that would be really interesting for him. But I kind of want to see it uh, to believe it. I, he's going to be a guy that I'm going to be watching. Where is he lining up in preseason games? I think that that will be a good tell for us on Chris Godwin. Awesome, awesome stuff, guys. I want to save some of the winners for part two, which we will get into, as well as all of the losers on next week's show. Should be awesome. Already looking forward to next week with the veteran fantasy losers. Speaking of losers, you are a loser if you haven't yet taken advantage of the betonline.ag promo code podcast one. They don't get sensitive. I'm not really saying you're a loser. It was just a segue or a transition to the read where I tell you about betonline.ag and how you can use the promo code podcast one to get a 50% sign up bonus to bet on the Kentucky Derby or whatever else you want to bet on. Don't get sensitive. Just smile and go to betonline.ag and use promo code podcast one. Andrew Brandt was awesome today, by the way, on the Ross Tucker football podcast. Encourage you to check that one out for sure. Talking Josh Rosen, Tyreek Hill, and more on today's Ross Tucker football podcast. We'll be back next week with Evan's fantasy losers from a veteran perspective based on the draft. Other than that, totally, totally stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.